So yeah, I mean, let's let's make a start, inshallah. I want to let's do a round table, like who's who. So I'll start with myself. My name's Farouk. Uh, I used to live in the UK, as I mentioned to Aman, and I uh, moved to Ohio, as they say, across the pond in 2017. Alhamdulillah, you know, I'm married and yeah, just keep myself busy with uh, trying to help out the community, whether it's online. Arman, did you want to introduce yourself and see what you do? Yeah. And I know you mentioned you got uh, a fragrance company. We all we all we all know me. I'm Aman. <laughs> uh twenty two. I obviously I run uh, my own fragrance company. It's called Beto Misk. Um just coming out of my degree. So I'm hoping to potentially build a few businesses in the future. Sure. But uh, as of yet, we're just trying to see how it goes. All right. You know, What's so the website? address uh the website is www.betomisk.com i'm on instagram tiktok twitter uh i think i think there is a, an, an adjacent page with facebook as well i mean i'd i'd say i'd say that's but that's all it is about me i'm unmarried i'm only 22 all right a work in progress inshallah <laughs> inshallah, inshallah. <laughs> yeah i mean uh, what we'll do is we we will add your links to the podcast description and everywhere that we post it out to inshallah that can give you some good exposure the platform that we're on we we do have listeners my demographics are very wide alhamdulillah so yeah i'll move on to my friend whose name is also aman yeah <laughs> <Inshallah>. <laughs> yeah so uh my name is also aman i'm also 22 and i'm a i'm an architecture student just finishing the university myself as well so I thought I'm uh, be done with my degree soon, and other than that, no businesses. Uh, literally, just doing my degree and um, awesome. I'm married as well. Still, uh, still quite early on for me as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's about it for <laughs> me. Yeah. Um, my name is Hassan. I'm 22. Um, I'm just like full time work right now. Yeah. I'm not married. Uh, I haven't got any business either. <laughs> I'm just you know like living life, I guess. We're very, very uh, simple people. Simple, simple like the other. Hey, simple is good. Trust me, nowadays, yeah. simple is good. <laughs> so <laughs> the reason why I wanted to get you guys uh, today, and by the way, I appreciate Aman, uh, you know, finding two other guys to come onto the show. I appreciate your time and efforts. Uh, I know you've uh, updated the document as well. And, uh, you know, the yeah, last I did, time. I did have yeah. a chance. Awesome. No, thank you so much, guys. For your time at any time that i have with you guys on this podcast it's valuable to me because yeah i'm myself i'm 44 years old um growing up as a muslim uh especially with facing you know pe people from all kinds of backgrounds and uh, friends or so-called friends i would say uh, i've kind of experienced um what it's like to live uh you know streetwise being in gangs etc and it's not a good place. Uh, so I wanted to kind of delve into what it's like now compared to what it was 20 years ago. What do you think are some of the things that uh, you guys face? You know, what are you seeing on the street? What's what's the thing that is really pressing <laughs> and a struggle for you guys? Um, I'd say, to be honest, probably the start off would be seeing other Muslims our age kind of idolizing or almost fetishizing fetishizing that that kind of gang culture as of as of recently i'd say more and more kids probably more more and more early on yeah. are trying to get involved in this gang culture that we're seeing 
you know, from from rap artists, from yeah. you know, from from actual gangsters on on the streets. You know, oh. obviously, un- unfortunately, a lot of Muslims have ended up becoming condensed into very deprived areas where kind of crime and that that gang life is right. is common. So I think probably the the biggest thing right now is seeing other kids our age or maybe even going on eight to nine years younger. I mean, I know some 13-year-old boys and 14-year-old boys that hang out on street corners. I want to get into the root of this, you know, because obviously you think about it, everything begins at home, right? So a a person doesn't become a gang member overnight. There's there's a reason behind why (laughs) someone would literally turn into... You know, let's say if they're not talking to their siblings, they're not talking to their family, there's a disconnect mm-hmm. somewhere at home, right? Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, definitely. I think so upbringing is a very yeah. big part of that, to be honest. Right. How you're brought at home can really, uh, especially if it's like a rough sort of upbringing, let's say maybe you don't live with your parents or your parents aren't together or that sort of thing. Family, what I've noticed is that can really be the cause of someone to go onto the wrong path, either if that's in school or later on in their life. Right, yeah. I mean, I see a lot of that. And I think there's also the aspect of purpose. So when a a person doesn't feel like they have life purpose, sometimes they feel like things aren't working out for them. Maybe, you know, they Mm. went for a job, maybe they're trying to study and nothing seems to be working out. Maybe they don't have friends, you know, and they're, they're in constant isolation. And again, that can mean, okay, right, someone is vulnerable in that state and someone else sees if it's a gang member or whatever, you know, they're going to say, Hey, look, I can give you purpose. I can make you feel like you belong somewhere, you know? So I, I've seen a lot of that growing up and it's like, I want to feel like I'm part of something. And the thing is most of the time you don't even know if that's good or bad for you. And that's where the Dean comes in. Right. So you know, yeah, yeah. you say, uh, tell me about that. You know, like the Dean aspect of it, how important is it? Uh, growing up and understanding what's right and wrong i'd say to be honest you know i don't i don't know how it is for for how it was for yourself for example but i do think islam has become probably i'd say more of a part of our culture than an actual religion that people nowadays will see oh you know like I know in in especially in, in our culture there's this whole thing if you you read you read the the Quran once and then you have an an amin where you finish the Quran and then everyone has a celebration but they've not all they've all they've done is learn how to speak the arabic letters and formulated them into sounds they've not taken the time to sit and understand what it what it means what the words that you're reading mean yeah. there's there's other things as well like parents will They'll they'll send their children off to uh uh um uh like a like a school what's the what's the word uh like a, oh, a boarding school uh, you know like a yeah. a mosque school uh, uh like a madrasa yeah like yeah. a, a darul ulum or maybe something yeah something yeah. something of the sort where they will they will hand off the the Islamic education to a third yeah. party because they don't either they they aren't as educated themselves or they've not taken the time. To be right. honest, I think it probably it might stem from the the generation before us. You know, yeah. I won't I won't say it was it was specifically. You know, maybe maybe it was your generation and maybe a little bit earlier, where when you first came, 
the idea was not to be your own person, but to assimilate as best as you can to build a foundation here. I agree. I agree. And you I know, think I'm a, I'm, yeah. I'm a, I'm a third, I'm a third generation Britain. Yeah. My, my grandfather came here on a, on a boat and started working in a factory when he was young. No. So, you know, for him, it was come here, build a life, build a foundation, start sending money home, bring over his wife and then have, he had, he had two sons, my father and my uncle. And then I think my father and, and uncle, they were a bit still kind of leaning towards that aspect of, you know, assimilating into culture here. And maybe a part of Islam, maybe a part of our Pakistani identity was lost along the way. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think that a lot of that is happening here as well, where everything's about the money. Everything's about career. Mm -hmm. You know, parents are under a lot of pressure, but also, you know, they, they are kind of forgetting that identity. What does it take to be a Muslim? What, why is that identity being like distorted, you know, in this community? Yeah. And I think a lot of that, happens in the US and I see a lot of it in the UK because if the parents you know that's what it is the key is the parents if the mm -hmm. you know that's the root of all of it where that child you know is growing up in that environment and it if if there's no sound environment if there's no dean environment in there it's it's going to yeah. impact that person you know mm -hmm. so uh, let's say let me ask you this then so let's say you were a parent right and you were looking at a child and what does a child want from their parents? What would you say? Because I guess not not being parents, we'd have to put ourselves in the mind of in in the in the shoes of what it right. would mean to be a parent. Yeah. Right. You think, um... So like if even if you're 13 or 14 and you're literally <laughs> starting out in high school, you know, yeah. and you need that support. Like I get it, you know, mm. you've, you've got friends, but if the parents aren't even acknowledging them, like nowadays people go into their homes. They go into their rooms, they're constantly on their consoles. They don't even speak to the family because of this constant yeah. distraction of electro electronic devices, games. And I find, uh, tell me if it's, you know, if I'm speaking out of context, but like I'm seeing a lot of teenagers making their own bubble, their own world, and that's gaming. Yeah, it's like, it's like the physical interaction's been lost. Yeah, it's all like centered around your phones and your consoles and that yeah, sort of thing. I think, I think we live in a society now where I feel like a lot of people, um, especially like the young kids, they live in their own secular bubbles, especially where um, like they go to school and they, some kids can find it hard to make friends. But I think when they come home and they go into the computer, they find it as the easy access to make friends like on their consoles and stuff. And um, I mean, I feel like but we are, we are a bit older, so we've never had that struggle growing up. But I feel like the newer generation kids, they're either for like on the streets, so they are at home playing games. I don't think there's a there's a median or an in between. I think it's if it's if anything, it's probably going to get worse because, especially with the new technology, you know, we're talking about AI. You know, what kind of things that can do for a person? Oh, you can literally have a an artificial intelligent um, relationship. You know, it could be a man or a woman. And they again, they're trying to isolate people from society. They're trying so hard, you know. I mean, obviously, you're tackling loneliness, but then you're in a dangerous place because, you know, what kind of person, you know, is that going to become like once they've kind of institutionalized, if you will, into that world, and then suddenly they step out 
They want to know how to communicate with people. We can see technology heading towards a very Blade Runner-esque type of future. Yeah. Like a Blade, yeah. like a Blade Runner 2049 where, you know, you, if you want, if you want interaction, you, you can, you can find it within a, a hologram. Right. You it's can true. find it in, within, within the AI. You know, you can, now I'm, I'm, I'm seeing people, you know, offering advice to people in relationships saying, just copy and paste what your, what your partner yeah. or spouse has said into a, an AI and they'll, they'll, they'll issue a, an, an appropriate response. Right. People are going you know, to chat GPT for photos as well, I believe you yeah. know. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. You know, whereas whereas before when the option wasn't there, you you had to come up with the res response yourself. You had to yeah. make the mistake of saying the wrong thing. Right. And it was only then that you learned. It was only then that you became, you know, wiser. Right. That's so true. And if we if we if we lose the experience of failure because we have computers that will give us the right answer yeah we won't learn right we'll lose it's that we'll lose that level of automated right automated learning yeah um, i think i there's something that you mentioned well kind of discussed in the last um call that we had and it was about um the masjid aspect of it so of course we've got the home where uh, you know the child is their upbringing, etc., parents, mm -hmm. whether they're connected or not. But what about the masjids? Do you feel like they're doing enough? Do they need to do enough? Do they need to bring back youth programs? You know, adult programs. Yeah, I think I think Hassan Hassan had a good point. I'll let I'll let him go on that. Um, I was going to say like, I think a lot of the times now, especially, I feel like a lot of the parents are very lazy, and I must say, I'm not generalizing. I say it's all parents, but I feel like some parents are lazy. I feel like. What they, I feel like, especially in maybe in the UK, you know, um, kids go to school from like nine till three, yeah, and they come back and they go to madrasa for maybe like five to seven, and then the kid goes straight into Islam, doesn't really know what it is and doesn't got great understanding, right? And because of that, I feel like they start to grow a small hatred. Like I know for for example, when I was growing up, my parents used to take me to like um, madrasa when I was younger, when I was like. Four or five, and um, I never understood it. Yeah. And I used to run out of the mosque because I just didn't know what was happening. Right. And I feel like a lot of the, uh, parents now they just they don't want they think that like they let the um the mosque try and do the Islamic teaching rather yeah. than actually parenting the kids one on one. And I think that's a, lot, a lot of kids now I think they they don't get that love and attention from their parents. That's why they go like maybe onto the streets or they go to the computer because. They crave that love and attention from other places. And yeah, when true. they don't get it, I think the kids start acting out in a very negative way. That's a very good point, man. It's so true. It's so true, man. It's scary because, I mean, it's, it's happening. You know, like, we've got to really tackle these issues. But, you know, it's all good talking about what's going on, the reality of it. But there's also, there has to be solutions uh, for these problems, you know. And I'm I'm always up for having those discussions, especially when it comes to trying to figure out what what can be done and then, you know, raising it with the right people, you know what I'm saying? Because there has to be a point where you've got to break the mold somewhere, you know, and I don't know about you guys, but when I was at the madrasas, it was all scaremongering, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm still traumatized about when they talk about Dozak and you're going to get lashed with chains and all kinds of stuff and 
Man, I remember yeah. I used to run home and freak out at my mum, like, mum, they made they they talked about this and that and nothing was ever mentioned about Jannah or the rewards and benefits of yeah. Salah and all these things, you know. And I guess when you get to that certain age where you're thinking, you know what, I want to discover Islam for myself. But the thing is, not everyone has that opportunity. What if they don't want to do it? What if they lose interest? Like you guys are saying, you know, the interest is not going to be there because I feel like the most crucial moment in a person's life is from when they get to the age of 10, 11, up until 15, 16, or when they're in that madrasa environment. Because once they leave madrasa, that environment, they are never going to go back to it. And if they don't carry whatever they've learned, whether it's discipline, whether it's any, anything from that aspect that they're going to carry with them for the rest of their lives, you know, for some people, it's going to be like, oh, I don't need to go to mosque anymore. I've just got school. And and then, you you know, you before you know it, you're graduating, you know, you're going to university. And again, if you're not well equipped with what's right and wrong, if you know, if you don't know what's halal and haram, if you don't learn about these things, you know, so like a post knowledge, you know, transfer, how are you going to survive out there, man? Especially on the streets, right? Yeah. So, so what do you think? Like, let's talk about also, um, I think another thing we mentioned was the youth uh, as an identity, uh, you know, having an identity crisis. Um, would you say your identity is good? Uh, or, or do you feel like you have to hide it sometimes? I as mean, a Muslim, I, as a Muslim, sorry. I've never, I've never shied away from the fact that I'm, I'm Muslim. You know, during during Ramadan, I had an an assessment day for a job, and they had some food and snacks out, and I was like, you know, no, thank you. I'm, I'm fasting, and and everyone, everyone kind of, not that they were aware of it, but they, they, they were then reminded of the fact that it was Ramadan at the time, and then they then mentioned themselves they were like look you know we we like to do a, a one one day of fasting during the month of ramadan for our you know muslim colleagues here you know everyone will sign up and then they'll they'll be you know told all awesome. the times and then they'll they'll fast they'll fast one day of ramadan just in kind of like solo solidarity almost the questions that we get especially from when we do these like the fasting etc it's also a form mm. of dawah even though we get the yeah. same questions every year, like not even water. <laughs> yeah, not even not even water. <laughs> right? You don't like, you don't come on, for I told you this last year. <laughs> yeah. like, and they can't they... believe it. <laughs> yeah. 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 But then but, it is, man. but then, you know, when when we when we then try and explain that, you know, almost like knowing that you can't eat mm. kind of just stops making you feel hungry. Yeah. You, it's it true. kind of it kind of makes it I won't say easier because it's still difficult, but knowing that you can't eat just allows you to get through the day. You know, right. okay, well, regardless of how I feel, I can't eat, so I might as well just get through the day. I don't know if you saw my document, but I added some notes from what people were posting to me, uh, you know, on Reddit and stuff like that. And I wanted to kind of read um, something here. And yeah. uh, let me just go through this thing. I don't want to go through every single one. But... Um, Someone mentioned, you know, why many of the Muslim youth are forgetting, forgetting about Islam, indulging in haram. You know, how should, uh, you know, one practice, uh, you know, anyone who's a practicing Muslim, advise them. You know, uh, I don't know what it's like in your area, but 
we we used to literally go out on the streets and see if there were people hanging out in cars and if they were you know doing whatever in their cars and knock on the window and talk to them and just give them some small reminder uh even if they were high whatever you know what i'm saying because you don't know what state these people are in but yeah. to me it's like listen you know any anyone out there who's going through that we should not look down at them because end of the day we don't know what their situation is so we we mustn't judge them we must try yeah. our best to help them if they tell us to do one or like you know get out of here or whatever but look you tried you did you you did your bit you know what i'm saying as a muslim you're trying to help another brother you know um and it's it's concerning man because we can't just leave them to their own we need to give them reminders and inshallah hopefully at some point you know allah will guide them to the to the right path because i think as a parent that's one of the biggest frustrations and yet you have to accept the fact that no matter what you do you know you could try your best to keep a child you know away from harmful things you know like drugs alcohol all this kind of stuff but you know if you equip them well enough to be prepared for the world then inshallah you've done your bit that's all you can do but all it takes man all it takes nowadays is to just be in the wrong company i want to ask you guys about company do you feel like the company that you keep your environment how important is that to you I think that's crucial to be honest and especially in today's age you are your surroundings at the end of the day I feel like if you're surrounding yourself around people that do partake in bad things like drugs and alcohol and stuff like that then inevitably you'll end up you'll end up wanting to know what it's like I'm not saying from my own experience but I've seen it happen to people that they you know they grow up and they're like simple kids and yeah. they just end up in the wrong crowd and yeah, it does one day something that you don't expect them to do it's quite common these days, unfortunately. It is. It's just the setting because, uh, you know, it's like if it becomes a cool thing to hang out with a certain person who does a certain thing and you want to be part of that clique, of course you're going to literally integrate or become part of that by doing stuff without even thinking, you know, the yeah, repercussions, exactly. you know. I mean, I know people, especially in Lancashire, right, who've all it took was one thing, one, you know, one drag of a certain drug or whatever and it's literally made them brain dead they can't even function anymore and all it took was mm -hmm. that one decision you know and yeah. that's the thing it can destroy people's lives and what these guys who you know who are dealing on the streets like you're ruining your own brother's lives how can you have a conscience man how can you do that to <laughs> someone but at the same yeah. time it's that person who makes that executive decision to take whatever it is because you know people mix drugs people do all kinds of stuff that none of that stuff is good for you so why would you do it but again it's all down to that person you know what what state of mind is he in uh, or she you know it's not just men it's not just brothers that they would want to take something like that and most of the time it's either they're trying to follow that same click or they're just fed up nothing's working out in their lives and they're just like I want to escape, you know, from this reality for a bit, even though, you know, they're going to come back to it eventually, right? Um, have you guys yeah. had any sort of, have you heard of any stories, especially uh, about someone going through that or, uh, you know, it might have impacted them mentally or whatnot? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we see here quite a lot, 
you know, going in this same direction of, of drugs and and taking these intoxicants, that a lot of Muslims, they will remain aware of the fact that alcohol and, you know, the, the hard drugs, weed, cocaine, uh, heroin, those are absolutely haram and they'll stay, they'll stay away from them. But in an effort to try and experience what they experience while trying to justify halal to themselves, they'll end up on things like laughing gas. Like we have a very common thing here, balloons. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And honest, honestly, more than anything on the streets now, you'll just see empty canisters. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I know of of one. We were we were out for some tea the other night, and I I think we saw two Asian guys in a in a Range Rover mm. zooming down the road at sixty miles an hour on what is a very busy road. Each oh one, including the driver, with a balloon in his mouth. Wow. And you know, laughing gas is no is no joke. Dentists use it to to you know. Put, put people out to perform operations yeah. and these guys were inhaling laughing gas while they were driving at a oh. dangerously high speed down the road oh. you know something that something that essentially allows you to lose all feeling in your body yeah they were just taking as it is and the, the, the problem is because it's on some level it's legal and because the effects because there is no official fatwa saying laughing gas is impermissible to take outside of a hospital environment, some Muslims, younger Muslims, will justify that that makes it halal for them. Well, but what they're not seeing on the other side is people taking, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll take one canister and it will give them permanent nerve damage. Yeah. Or, or it, will cause, it will cause their lungs to collapse. And they're not, they're not seeing that because... Right. They want to experience the same euphoria that people ex that that non-Muslims experience when they consume drugs and alcohol. Yeah, it's almost it's... like they they want to they want to live that life, but mm -hmm. you know, al Alhamdulillah, something in them is stopping them from from doing those things which are explicitly haram. But in yeah. the same breath, they are trying to justify other things. You're right. You're right. And I mean, most of the time they're running away from something, you know, and saying it's a yeah. problem. It's something that may be causing them anxiety. Uh, they, they're trying to escape from, again, like I mentioned, reality of the life that they're living. There's something missing there and they want to fill that void. It could be um, having or the lack thereof any sort of relationship with mom or dad, you know, mm -hmm. anything like that. You know, dad's never told him that they're proud of them or their achievements or or if maybe, or maybe any, it's you know? just that you know, dad's dad's not there because right. he's out doing Uber in the exactly. evenings. Yeah, you know. And, yeah, it's, it makes a, it that, makes a big difference, man. It does it does? I think I think having a strong male male figure and a an, an affectionate female figure in the home, yeah. I think is is probably probably one probably two of the most important things that a child can have growing up, and Very not good. having that can be very heavily detrimental yeah and i think the other thing as well now let me ask you this so let's say just as an example right i walked into i don't know uh, one of the mosques in your local area i walked in i was high as a kite um i had short back and sides hair i had a gold earring i had baggy clothes whatever <laughs> i walked into the mosque what would be the reaction of the elders in that mosque um, to be honest, it does 
I feel like over here, I feel like there's a certain culture that I feel like a lot of people over here, they have like, like you just said, like short back and sides, earrings. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of like the highest, like I have, but when I was younger, I remember when I was at Madrasa and um, there was a guy who actually came into the mosque and was high as a kite. Yeah. And I remember being like, I, was, I could have only been like maybe ten, like nine or 10. And at that age, you're very like, I, I just find it weird, but you can't turn these people away because if you yeah. turn them away, they even do they are their senses that they can that that will still turn them away from Allah, right. and that bad experience exactly. will turn them away from Allah for good. And of course, what they're doing is wrong, but we can only judge by what's in their heart. Like he could come to the mosque, kite, but who knows? He wants he might want to change. Yes, and we can't we can't stop it from changing. Yeah. So even though he comes to the mosque, as like does whatever he does, we 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 cannot deny him for coming in, from coming into the mosque, and he he might come to the mosque and repent and feel bad for smoking or mm-hmm. for having for doing whatever he does. We yeah. we can't stop that. And I feel like there's one thing is like that turns a lot of people away from Islam is a lot of people feel judged in our religion. Yes. And I feel like that that aspect of it when people feel very judged. It drives yeah. it drives away from Islam. Especially I see a lot of young sisters. They want to wear their hijab, but they feel like a lot of men judge them for wearing their hijab. But I feel like personally, as men, yeah. we shouldn't really be engaging or even talking about topics that don't like involve us. Especially with women's hijab, we're meant right. to be lowering our gaze. So why are we commenting on the way a woman looks or right. the way they act? I feel like I just I feel like it's just such a big problem in the Muslim community. Yeah. That's, some... that's something I think is um <laughs> go on, sorry. Sorry, go on. Oh, no, go on, I'll let you finish. That's, I'll let you that's that's something that I think we've we've talked a lot about, you know, drugs and, and alcohol and being on the street, but I feel right. like that's almost completely like male Muslim dominated. Yeah. Whereas from from the the Muslim woman's perspective, the struggle comes in things like uh, like like hijab and relationships and friendships with with men or even mm-hmm. friendships with with other women. Modesty right. as well as another. Yeah, thing. that yeah. their their struggle comes from. I see all these women around me dressed in you know, every day it's it's more and more skimpish clothing, and yet I'm here. I have to wear an an abaya and cover my head, and I shouldn't put on too much makeup, and I can't wear nail polish, and I can't have my nails grown out and I can't, you know, do these things. Yeah. So I think then then that their struggle comes from doing all of that despite the fact that they want to do these other things. Just that they, they want they want to go out, they want to do these things, but they don't. Yeah. In an in an effort to try and become better Muslims. Whereas with boys, you know, I know I know from a from a cultural perspective, you know, it's it's okay it's not okay for a, a a young Muslim girl to be out past six o'clock, for example. But if a Muslim boy comes home at eleven p.m., oh, it's absolutely so okay. There's double no standards, question. man. It's so true. So true. There's double standards. Whereas and, it should be yeah. ideally, it should be for both that they're both yes. home at a reasonable hour when they can sit with the family, have dinner, talk, maybe learn some things. Yeah, that's true, man. But then, I don't. Know, I don't. I'm, I don't really know where where that that change would have to be made. Where do you start? Because you can't expect 
a husband who provides for his family by working in the evenings to abandon that and spend his time at home because then no one will be there to provide for his family. Yeah, I agree. So the shadow's there. And you know what? Um, I, I want to tell you why I asked that specific question. And, you know, the way you guys have responded, honestly, it gives me hope because, you know, we, I have seen people do that. You know, I was one of those individuals. Alhamdulillah, I've never, I've never taken drugs. Alhamdulillah, I've never smoked. I've never done any of that. But I used to hang out with guys who used to do that. And, you know, trying to bring them slowly into the masjid environment. Man, they were judged. And it's like, guys, do you, do you really know what it took for that person to make that decision to come to the mosque? Whether, it, whether it's a brother or a sister, it took a lot for that person yeah. to do that. And like you said, you know, they they are willing to change. But if you guys close that door, you yeah. got a lot to answer for because that could have been the only door that they could have chosen. And then if they're like, you know what, I'm done with this. Look at the way these people treat me. So it isn't about appearance. It isn't about, you know, whether a person wears a thobe or not or whatever. It's all about your heart, how Allah allows us to connect through our hearts. Of course, I mean, you know, I'm, listen, I'm not saying, you know, like I've got friends who have got tattoos, they've got earrings or whatever, and they've come into Islam. I would never look at them and say, hey, look, come on, man, what, what are you doing? You can't walk into a yeah. mosque like that. I would never say that because yeah. it just, that is a perfect example of, you know, Allah guides whom he wills. Look at the situation this person would have been in four yeah. or five years ago. Look where he is now. He's literally sat in Jummah prayer and he's you know, uh, making dua, that's huge, you know, so it is, man, it's a wake-up call for the elders of the community, and also the com the, the generation that's to come, I feel like there is, like, you, the way you guys answered, there's hope, because you're starting to see things a lot more differently than, you know, my previous, uh, like, generation, the elders would just literally kick that person out, or tell their dad, you know, make a phone call to their dad and say, hey, do you know your son's here? And he's like, dressed like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's all that kind of idle talk. But there's no need for that, you know. So good. It's good, man. This is a good conversation. Um, that is, I think I think that is one thing where you, you mentioned about, about the elders is I think, I'm not sure how it is in, in the US, but I do think in the UK, the elders have have maybe created a a culture of the mosque is for the the old people. Yes, the mosque yes. is where is where you go when you turn forty five and you're too old to do anything else. Now you spend your free time in the mosque. Yeah, because I'll be honest with you, even up until like up until now, the majority of people you see in the mosque are probably fifty plus. They're dressed in either a thobe or a shalwar kameez, and they've got a a, a cap on or a topi on and. And when right. they then see a young person maybe come into the gym in uh into the mosque in you know tight jeans and yeah. <laughs> diner yeah. and maybe they've got an earring and a skin fade or yeah. you know maybe they've they've you could they 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 smell of drugs yeah. you might they they might cast that judgment because of a culture they may have accidentally created right so true and I think that. That will be something that has to come from a a, gen, a generational break. Yes, you're right. 
that no, the masjid is for the young people. In fact, it should probably be even more so for the young people yes. than for the elders. The elders have had their 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 decades of of learning, whereas right. the young the young need to learn now so that they can solidify that that education. They can solidify that knowledge within themselves. Islam can become a part of their life. I agree, and I think the I think the other aspect of this also is, you know. Um, I read something the other day that was really interesting, and it's uh, Prophet Sallallahu who he used to actually give leadership roles to the youth of the community because mm. that would allow them to see what it's like running a mosque. Let's say, give them, giving them responsibilities within the mosque. You know, um, all these different things that make a big difference to a community instead of it just being, okay, um, you know, you're thirty-five, forty plus. You're part of a Muslim board, and there's a vice president here. There's a treasurer there. And there's this. It shouldn't be just about titles, because unfortunately, it has become like that in most of the mosques, where you know you've you've got someone who's been there for so long, and they're fighting for this title, whereas you've got the youth that are coming, and they're just kind of forgotten about. So this is why I like to have these conversations, because it pushes them to uh, have that. Uh, understanding that awareness that hey you know what we can't forget about the youth we can't forget about the you know the adults that are coming to our masjid and you know if if someone suddenly disappears you know what what happened did we do something wrong did we do we need to fix this do we need to go and visit them do we need have that kind of connection you know with that person that way they know that they are part of something and that's part of something yeah. good instead of you know why aren't you coming to the mosque oh you know you see him on the street. Oh, you stopped coming to the mosque now, huh? Oh, okay. You know, like <laughs> emotional blackmail. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, you know what? I actually, <laughs> I actually went, I actually went through something quite similar. So I, I used to attend the masjid by my house quite frequently. Yeah. For it used to be, you know, Asr, Maghrib, and and Arisha, But then, you know, I got I got busy with a few other things, and I haven't I haven't really been back. Yeah. In quite in quite a while, and I saw yeah. one of the brothers on the way to to Salah as I was leaving to go to uh to go to work and he yeah. said oh you know mashallah it's good it's good to see you uh it's been it's been so long yeah and uh yeah honestly i felt i felt a little bit embarrassed at the time yeah yeah that i'd left so long to go to go back to the masjid but you know sometimes there is a reason sometimes yeah. it's just maybe uh a decrease in iman and maybe you know seeing seeing someone you used to attend the masjid with will inspire you to, to to go back will inspire that you know it's 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 almost like when you're you're feeling a little bit low in iman so you watch a mufti mank video and it exactly. kind of gives you that 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 little boost yeah <laughs> that's true and, you know inshallah everything will be fine inshallah yeah that's awesome man and i think that's what it is it so let's just quickly recap because i don't want to take too much of your lot's time again i appreciate your time and attending this podcast uh, inshallah i would like to do more I feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg. So, you know, if if you could provide me with your valuable time, that would be really appreciated. Um, so we talked about, uh, obviously, um, your your business. Let's mention that again, Basil Misk. Uh, what's what's the best fragrance right now, would you say, is the newest release? Many different ones. I think um, there's a brand, I think it's a French brand. It's a Mason sponsors Cote de Jeanne. And it makes, I mean, they are a bit on the pricey side, but I feel like, yeah. They make very good uh, 
perfumes. Uh, one of them is uh, Baccarat Rouge. But my personal favorite perfume right now is uh, Gentle Fluidity Silver. It's by okay. the same company. I think it's a very good perfume. Yeah, all of our all of our products are handmade. Yeah. In in the UK, in Birmingham, in one office, I designed and made everything myself. Yeah. Our other mixes, you know, we we try and maintain a a high standard, so they will they will last on your clothes between washes. Yeah. And so is it like oud? Yeah. So the 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 others are they're like oud bottles. They're five they're five ml bottles, but they're yeah. kind of designed to last for a, a month or two. So you, you're not constantly having to to buy them. Yeah. You know? Oh, these! I'm looking at your bottles right now. Are they? Is that wood? And you've carved in? Yeah. So, because my my office my my office itself is based in a a hub where a few of our other family businesses are based. Um. Yeah. I was alhamdulillah blessed with the opportunity to work with, you know, one of our other companies, which is in manufacturing, and so they they really helped me in designing these high quality products. So they're it's a it's a simple glass bottle that's encased in bamboo. And oh, then awesome. the, the the front is is laser etched. Yeah, but that's because, fantastic. Because the the bamboo sure. is is natural, every single etch is different. Yeah. So one one might be a little more burnished than or burnished than than another one. One might be yeah. a bit more faint. One might be a bit darker. Just yeah, to, to that add one. that sort of uniqueness of each bottle. But what about the candles? I see you've got some candles as well, right? So yeah, um... so we have. We have four scented candles. The the best seller is the oud candle. It sells like hotcakes. <laughs> yeah, inshallah, that's really cool. Yeah, so we try we try and keep everything as clean as as eco friendly as we possibly can. Yeah, you know, simply simply for the sake of we don't we don't want to put a bad product out there. Right, and I think oh, combined sorry. in our family we have we have about thirty years of business experience. So inshallah. Oh, we are coming from a very experienced background. Yeah. And what about, uh, let's say, handling and shipping? How does that work? Uh, so yeah. we do we do deliver worldwide. Yeah. We have a Royal Mail service within the UK and Europe, and then we had a we have a a twenty four hour FedEx service that operates uh, worldwide. All right. Well, listen, guys. Um, you know, may Allah grant you success with uh, this business as well as. All your other endeavors, I mean, uh, anything like this, I always try to support, especially if it's a business and it's it's going to help people. You know, when, you, when you're going for your Jummah prayer and you want to smell nice, you want to put yeah. some food on, you know, we've got some options here, alhamdulillah. So, yeah, let's make it happen for these brothers. Uh, thank you so much again for your time. And um, uh, what would you say to come back to the show again some other time? Well, would you be okay with that? Yeah, I'd I'd be open to it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Okay. All right, <laughs> all right. So that's cool, man. Uh, did you enjoy the experience? Is is this like your first ever podcast, or have you ever been on other podcasts? <laughs> uh, no, this is this is all of our first time. Our first. So we, hey, I mean, to be honest, I feel just, honored just now. You joined, <laughs> we were we were we were trying to uh, come up with a a title name for our own podcast that we're thinking of. Oh, okay, excellent. Thinking of starting. <laughs> three brothers we might, we I don't might, know. <laughs> you never know we might we might we might be inspired to do our first episode tonight hey, listen <laughs> go for it man and any help you need with that you just give me a shout any anything to help a brother out no problem man yeah all right Inshallah. so yeah um like i said at the beginning i will share 
the details of Betul Misk. This was good, man. I mean, I know it went over 30 minutes. I try and stick to 30 minutes, but it was very, very valuable. And uh, inshallah, we can have more of these conversations and we can start posting out to, you know, people who will actually listen. Because that's what it's, that's what this is all about. You know, all it yeah. takes is one person to have that awareness and they, they might bring it to their home or their madrasa, you know, locally. So again, yeah. thanks a lot, guys. Jazakallah, Gav. Um, Thank you very much. No problem. Yeah. Have a nice rest of your... Is it, it's evening there, I guess, right? Is yeah, it like it's, 10 about, it's about... It's about quarter to ten here. Oh so. wow! Okay, how's the how's the post Ramadan feeling? Like eating all right and stuff. Oh, it's nice, though, right? It was like it was like we were we were never fasting. Our appetites <laughs> were bigger than ever. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, guys, stay safe out there. You know, and may Allah keep Shabbat. you on the true path. All right. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Take care, brothers. Until next Thank time, you. inshallah.